Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Oh, got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. Touchdown. Touchdown. That's five for Chris Brown. The defense of Tomlinson. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast presented by Total Beverage. As always, I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. Before we start talking buffs, I want to tell you guys about uh, Total Beverage, our presenting sponsor. I actually took a trip up to the Westminster Total Beverage location this morning after Buffs practice. Super convenient for me on my way to practice from Denver. Uh, Really loaded up on stuff. It's an incredible place. They have all of our favorite Breckenridge beers. That's what I got a lot of. It's honestly incredible, guys. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, head up there. It's just this massive, almost like warehouse-feeling space, and they have anything you could possibly want. Uh, seriously, anything. And for a limited time, Total Bev is offering 20% off your purchase on their website and their app. Use code BSN20, and you can save 20%, and they'll deliver it to your door. All right. It's time to start talking buffs. As always, we want to start this off by talking about what we learned at camp today. Um, You know, I throw this disclaimer out there a lot, but we don't actually see what happens, and so we get the secondhand accounts. And here, here are the key takeaways. I think probably the most interesting thing I learned was from Brady Russell, the tight end, who is competing for playing time. There are a few guys at that position. There's Jalen Harris, the transfer from Auburn, Uh, Darian Jones, who's received a lot of praise. Today I talked to Brady Russell, who's going to be competing with those two for playing time, and he said that the tight ends are going to be used more this season. And that's exciting to hear. It's something that we've 
assumed is going to happen. It's something that Matt McChesney told us that he thought was going to happen. Uh, it just makes sense in a more pro-style offense that we will see more production from the tight ends. It's interesting talking to a guy like Brady because I don't know if he's naturally this way or if spending a few years in an offense where tight ends are primarily used as a blockers has kind of conditioned him to become this way, but he really does enjoy the blocking. Like he says, you know, everybody wants to catch the ball, of course, but he's really excited about all those crack back blocks, those the stuff where he gets to like fly across the formation, just hit guys. And he was actually really excited for guys to be able to go to the ground tomorrow during the second scrimmage of fall camp. Uh, if you haven't been following along, Saturday is the final scrimmage, the second scrimmage, the last time the Buffs will actually be in full pads before their season opener against Colorado State. It's going to be a big day, of course, and they're going to the ground for just the second time during training or during fall camp. Training camp's the NFL. What am I thinking? Uh, Brady's excited. Brady likes the contact. He says he wants to get hit because that's what football feels like to him. Uh, really enjoyed talking to him. And it was interesting hearing from Mel Tucker, as always. He was back on the podium after we heard from uh, Tyson Summers yesterday. And we talked briefly about what he said yesterday on the podcast. It's just something else listening to Mel, just because of the way that he approaches football. The way he thinks about football is always really interesting to me. Um, he's one, one key point that he mentioned is that he's starting to see separation. And he, he said himself that he also mentioned that like a week ago, maybe a little more than a week ago, like early last week, that he could kind of tell which guys could play and which guys couldn't play. And it was interesting hearing him talking, uh, talk about that more today because he, he really doubled down on the fact that it does take time to see differences in guys because anybody can make a play. Any receiver on that roster can do something that would make people watching think that he should be their go-to guy. It's doing that stuff day in and day out that's difficult. And now that we're more than halfway through camp, there are 25 practices in camp. Today was the 14th, so we're well on our way. But it's it's... He says that he's starting to see who can consistently produce every day, whether whether they're on, whether they're off, whether it's new concepts, whether it's stuff that they've been running for a while. It just takes time to see which guys can handle what. And tomorrow's going to be a big, big step because there's more urgency. Not just because guys are get, kind of getting their last chance to prove that they deserve playing time this season, but also because, because there's just a sense of pressure that comes with going live. You know, as a linebacker, knowing that you got to take a guy to the ground. I mean, you, we don't know exactly who the best tacklers are because they don't tackle all the way. You just stand the guy up. And it's obviously more difficult to tackle the guy, but sometimes just knowing that it's more difficult can get in a guy's head. It's for for these linebackers who know that now they have their only their second chance in training camp to show that they can be trusted in the open field. It's not just that some of them might not be capable of doing it. It's that some guys might get scared. And that's the kind of stuff that Mel Tucker really wants to get out. He wants, I mean, in a sense, he almost wants his guys to be robots. 
he he wants them all to go out there do their job we we talked about this a little bit when he was talking about how he doesn't want trash talkers on his team he just wants guys who do their job then get back to the huddle as fast as possible so that they have more time to talk about what happened on the play before and then figure out what they're doing on the next play talk with your pads that's what he said and that really makes sense because he comes from that background where he's worked with Nick Saban closely and he's worked with Bill Belichick closely. And my theory with those guys, Belichick in particular, is that they just want everybody to do their job so that the coaches can decide whether the team wins the game. You trust that if you tell this receiver to do this, he will do it. The quarterback will go through his progressions properly and he will... He will identify where the ball should go, and he'll make the right decision. He'll put the ball where it's supposed to be. You tell the offensive line we're doing, we're blocking this way, they'll block that way. And it's all about, I mean, the, the phrase in New England was, just do your job. And that's what it is, because as long as there's no human error in that part, the coach can scheme to make things work out for the team. The coach can say, here's the play we're running, and it's because this will beat cover three, which we think they'll run. And then you run the play. Everybody just does their job because they know where they're supposed to be. And you should beat them. And if you don't beat them, it's probably the coach's fault. And for guys like Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, that's the kind of system you want to run. Because more often than not, you're going to be able to outcoach the other team. Mel Tucker has some of that in him, which makes sense because he's worked closely with those guys. And it really is that robotic, I mean, next man up. Just know how to do your job, and the coaches will put you in a position where you will succeed. It's a chess match. It's not about the one-on-one matchups. It's about which coaching staff understands the game better and can win the chess match. So I think that that's always interesting to hear, that that seems to be more of his type of philosophy. Um... And tomorrow, he's going to see which guys have picked up on the stuff that he and his coaching staff have taught them and which guys aren't ready to see the field. It's also interesting to hear that there's separation, but there's a real focus on not just getting the guys who are good to go ready to play in the first game. There's, a, there's an emphasis on not leaving people behind giving those guys the coaching they need so that they can get to the level where they can see the field if they need to because, you know, college football season's a grind. Starts in August, ends, I mean, hopefully it doesn't end until after Christmas. Guys get hurt. Guys have to spend time away from the team for various reasons. There's a lot that goes on, and you need to know that you have backups that you can count on, and Mel Tucker has emphasized that quite a bit. It was a pretty slow day again in Boulder just because there really isn't too much new information coming out at this point. We've pretty much figured out what's going on, and it's just about those guys going to work. Hopefully on Monday's show we'll have some more details who stood out during this uh, fall scrimmage, the second scrimmage of fall camp, and we'll kind of have some more news-type stuff to talk about. And from there, we're really getting into the season. I mean... I think Arizona and Hawaii play next weekend. We're, as I'm recording this, we're like two weeks and three hours away from the kickoff of the Rocky Mountain Showdown. It's wild. 
football's almost here. We're getting through this dry spell, and we're going to have a lot of fun stuff planned for you guys at BSN Denver. Uh, it's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery now, the official beer of BSN Denver. Like I said, this morning I stocked up on a bunch of Breck beers, and I think tonight me and the crew were headed out to the Rockies game, see them take on the Marlins. Got super cheap tickets because the Marlins are terrible and the Rockies might actually be worse now, but it'll still be a good time because before we go, we're going to grill a bunch of stuff up on the roof of my apartment. Like there's like a rooftop patio. It's not just like we're climbing up there, but we're we're going to grill some stuff. We're going to drink some Breck brews, Strawberry Sky. I got the sampler pack so everybody can try everything. It's going to be a blast and I'm happy that I'm finally stocked up on all this. Um, also make sure that you're watching out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. It has uh, all of the events that we have planned. Obviously, we're drinking Breck beers at all of them. Uh, I think the next thing up on the calendar, we actually got this confirmed last night, August 24th. Uh, we will be watching the Broncos preseason game, like third or fourth, depending on whether you count the, uh, the Hall of Fame game. I'll be there. The Broncos writers will be there. If you guys want to swing by and t talk some buffs, we'll be at Blake Street Tavern. There will be giveaways like always. Uh, if you like the Broncos, that's great. Come watch the Broncos with us. If you don't care about the Broncos, then come and talk buffs because that's what I'm going to be there for. Uh, it's going to be a blast. Uh, August 24th, like I said, I think it might be like a 6 o'clock kick. Maybe it's 8 o'clock. Blake Street Tavern. It's our spot. Uh, hopefully you'll see you there. Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. All right, we are moving along now into the second segment and now I want to take this opportunity to talk about who really needs to step up in the second scrimmage? Mel Tucker said that this is going to be a key, key part of the evaluation process of this team because, I mean, he hasn't coached these guys through a season before. He got to coach them through the spring, get to see what everything's all about, implement the offense, and now he's getting kind of the last chance to see in a real football environment what's, what's up, who he can trust, who he can't trust, who could break out, and who needs more time to develop? A lot of pressure here. And there are a few guys in particular who I think really need to play well this weekend to either solidify their role to become uh, key players uh, on this team. And the first one of those guys is running back Deion Smith. This is an interesting one because... My read on this running back situation is that it's kind of the Alex Fontenot and Jaron Mangum show. These two guys 
have have seemed like the two who have led this group. There there will be more people in the rotation probably, but it's tough to believe that either Alex Fontenot or Jaron Mangum could wind up on the outside looking in. When I was talking to Brady Russell today, he shouted out Jarek Broussard as a guy who's really impressed him. Uh, primarily as a receiving back, he's kind of their shifty little quick guy who will fill a role. There's there's a spot open for a guy like him, and he seems like the favorite to fill it. So I think that he is definitely a part of the rotation just because he's he provides a different look than the other backs the Buffs have been working with. The one guy, though, who is most interesting to me is Dion Smith because he's kind of a tweener. He isn't as big as Fontenot or uh, Mangum, and he uh, he's bigger than Jarek Broussard. He's kind of like he's a runner, but we've heard Mel Tucker talk a lot throughout camp about his big playability and how they're seeing him break runs for big gains. For running backs, though, it's tough to get a good read on them when you aren't bringing them to the ground because a big part of the of being a running back is being able to stay on your feet and continue running when other backs wouldn't be able to that's a big separating factor and that's something that a big back like uh like a Jared Mangum 62215 he should get a bump tomorrow he should look better than normal because he he should be able to break more tackles a guy like Dion Smith though might be a little bit easier to bring down at six foot one eighty five, so I think that as of right now, he definitely has a has a spot in this rotation. It's just figuring out how big it is, and tomorrow could go a long way for him because I know for me, hearing that he's a little back, I expect him to have a little bit of a drop off when when you're playing full tackle football. And I'd expect that the coaches might have a similar read on him as well. So he's the first guy who I think could really change things for himself tomorrow, whether that means he's getting more reps once the season comes or whether it means that he's falling a little bit deeper on this depth chart and might not get as much time because there are so many guys who can contribute. Uh, Next, I want to talk about Davion Taylor. He's the second guy who I really think needs to show out tomorrow in the scrimmage. And that's for a couple of reasons. The first one is one that we've talked about quite a bit. Quite a bit. Makai Blackman, the uh, junior cornerback, he's he's taken a step. You know, I, I saw with my own eyes at that open practice when he was locking down receivers, he was picking off passes, he was breaking up balls, he was he was just a lockdown cornerback. And that's not something we expected from him because he's a little bit of a smaller guy, but being smaller means that he fits into that star position in this buffs defense because he can, he can play that slot cornerback role and he's still physical enough and has like not, not just he's willing to take the hits or willing to accept that that's part of the game, but that's a big part of how he plays is that he's a physical guy who wants to hit people might not always work out well for him because he is only 160, 165 pounds maybe, but he does have that in him. And that's why he fits well at the star position where he's really a combo cornerback linebacker safety and he's fast. And, and that will give them a, 
a, a bit of a boost, a little bit of juice at that spot because he can provide as a rusher. He can provide for the team as a cornerback, obviously. But right now, holding down that star position is Davion Taylor. Davion's a senior. That was his job last year. He was the starter at the star position. But we didn't hear much about him throughout camp. It seemed like for the first week or two, all of the coaches, all of the players were talking about how good Makai Blackman looked. And then we saw it for ourselves in the open practice. It hasn't been until recently that Davion Taylor has really gotten much hype. Um, I think just yesterday might have been the first time that one of the coaches brought him up without being asked specifically about him. And that's when Mel Tucker said that Davion has really stepped up his game. In the last, I think he said, seven to eight practices, he's looked a lot more consistent. He's been contributing. He looks like he knows what he's doing. We haven't seen an, we haven't seen a depth chart, though, so we really don't know how these two guys stack up at the star spot. It could be Davion T- Taylor and then a wide gap between him and Makai Blackman, or Makai Blackman could be getting more reps at the, at, in the starting job. We don't know how that stacks up, but based on all of the whispers that we've been hearing, Davion Taylor needs to have a big day. And if he has a big day, that might be his job, and that means that maybe Makai is rotating in. Maybe he starts at one of the cornerback spots. Uh, Delrick Abrams will hold one down. Chris Miller, you know, he's a young guy. It sounds like he's been coming along. I think Mel Tucker talked about him a day or two ago uh, saying... Chris has really started to pick up the defense and has started to make plays. But my guess would be that Makai Blackman is ahead of him on the depth chart at cornerback if Davion Taylor holds down the star position. That's an if, though, because we just have no idea how big the gap is between him and Makai Blackman and who's on top even. So he is the second guy who I think really needs to have a have a big day. And he's bigger. I think that that's an interesting thing is that either one of these two guys, I wouldn't be surprised to see them take the starting star position. Makai Blackman, though, 6'160". Davion Taylor, 6'2", 220. Two inches and 60 pounds heavier. That's that's significant. And so it's a very different style of play. It's uh, more of an outside linebacker type job where Davion will be rushing the passer probably more than Makai Blackman would if Makai ends up starting there. In the end, they're probably going to rotate, and in different situations, Makai might be in there as more of a cornerback, or Davion Taylor might be in there as more of a linebacker. We just have to see, and they're competing for playing time, you know? I would guess that right now, third and three, Davion Taylor's the guy, because he's bigger. He's not going to get pushed around. He can stop a run. He isn't going to be, like, the slot guy who he's he's covering won't be running deep down the field. It's going to be a short route. Third and 10, though, that's probably Makai Blackman because you aren't so worried about the other team running on you. And there's a chance that the guy's going to be running deep downfield and Makai Blackman can stick to him. What we don't know is third and six, third and five, which which guy gets those reps. And that's what's still to be decided. And I think Davion Taylor has a chance to lock that up tomorrow and push Makai Blackman out to a cornerback spot. And then the third guy isn't really a guy as much as just the secondary in general. We don't know how any of these any of these student athletes stack up at safety. And that's kind of the biggest question right now is 
I think Aaron Maddox has a starting job locked up uh, based on, honestly, a lot based on the conversations with him where I've just been so impressed with the way that he's handled new responsibilities on the back end of that defense, reading the offense, and getting everybody set up. He seems like the type of cerebral player that you just can't afford to have on the bench. Plus, plus he's a very good athlete as well. 6'1", 185, super speedy. Just makes sense as a free safety, a guy who's at the back of the defense kind of calling plays. We don't know that he's locked up a starting job. I'd be surprised if he hasn't, though. Um, at, at strong safety, though, maybe it's Mark Perry, the true freshman. Maybe it's Trey Udofia. Maybe it's uh, Darian Rakestraw. It's, it's going to be interesting. And this is the situation where, you know, you wish that they had just been able to hold on to Hassan Hippolyte and I haven't dug into why Hippolyte left the program. Um, I haven't even heard any rumors either. Maybe it's just clear cut and I didn't click on the story, but if he was still around, you would feel a lot better about the secondary. All of a sudden, you'd feel like this is one of those secondaries that could be sneaky good in the Pac-12 because you trust Aaron Maddox. You trust Delrick Abrams. Uh, you trust Makai Blackman. There's a good chance Chris Miller's a, a very solid and... Then you have Hippolyte, who's supposed to be breaking out or should have been breaking out for the Buffs this season. But now I'm just not so sure. Like, is it Mark Perry? Is it Trey Udofia? Is it Darian Rakestraw? We haven't heard much from the coaching staff about these guys or how they stack up or who's getting reps where. And I think that's I think that's interesting. Uh, and one of them will really have to step up. At cornerback as well with... Chris Miller, KJ Trujillo has been getting shout-outs pretty frequently from uh, Mel Tucker. He's a, he's a freshman. He's another one of those little guys who's just sticky and maybe so sticky that you have to keep him on the field. DJ Oates has uh, gotten some recognition from this coaching staff. Uh, Tariq Luckett, who switched from receiver to cornerback as a true freshman, and really impressed you know immediately Mel Tucker was saying he was making plays and then just laughed and said hopefully we don't coach that out of him like before he even knew what he was doing he was making plays I doubt he's in the rotation early in the season but toward the end he might be up there a big a big day tomorrow would really help his case when they're playing real football lots of questions in the secondary and I don't think they're going to be bad I just don't know which pieces fit where one more note on the secondary before we move on Mel Tucker said that he wants five to six DBs on the field every play. And he I said that very bluntly. He didn't say it quite that bluntly, but that's what you should expect. Minimum five defensive backs. That that counts the star position with Davion Taylor or Makai Blackman, but there there will be plenty of rotation filling those spots. And you know, we've talked about how the the Buffs really don't have much depth at cornerback. That's a problem for if they're going to keep running this defensive scheme. Need guys to step up. And I think tomorrow is really a big day for all of them to kind of show that they have separation because another thing that Mel Tucker has said a couple of times is that the easiest way to judge effort by an entire team is how well the wide receivers block and how well the cornerbacks tackle. Cornerbacks haven't been asked to tackle much so far. We'll see how that goes. Well, we won't, but we'll hear about it after. Closed practice. That's just the way it works. Um, 
before I move on, though, I want to talk again about the SCOBUFFS code, S-K-O-B-U-F-F-S. That'll get you $10 off a year-long subscription at bsndenver.com. It'll get you a free shirt. I just got hooked up with both the like black and gold Phil Lindsay homegrown shirt, one of the classic BSN shirts, and the SCO shirt yesterday when I was in the office. They're so cool. I'm going to wear those every day. You guys should get them too. I mean, it's $34.99 now. You get the shirt. You get the year-long subscription. You get the exclusive right to comment on these podcasts and have your comment read on the show, whether it's a question, whether it's your thoughts, whether you just want to like curse me out for some reason. I guess I probably won't read like the curse words, but we can save those for next time McChesney's on, and then he can read them for me. Really do appreciate when you guys subscribe. Uh, I heard last night, actually, that the Buffs caught up with, or the Rams caught up with us on their promo code last I'd heard we were six or seven uh subscriptions ahead we had a big staff meeting yesterday and actually I want to talk a little bit about that I can't tell you the details but this is such an incredible group of people here at BSN Denver and I am so excited for you guys to get to see what we have planned we uh brief update on the company things are going very very well you know bringing on more coverage hiring me and Justin Michael to cover the college beats. I mean, there was some risk there. You guys have really responded and you know, I I know I push you to be subscribing more. Things are going very well. We're happy with what's going on. We're excited to keep building these communities, keep building other communities, uh, whether it's the Nuggets, the Broncos, the Avs, the Rockies, your support really is appreciated. And uh, they just showed me so much cool new stuff that we're going to be doing here soon, and I can't wait for you guys to get to see it. This is going to be such a fun season. I hope that you guys subscribe so that you can follow along with us because we have so much cool stuff planned. Um, next, I need to tell you about some game-changing coffee, though. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right, into the question segment now, which will close out today's show. The last show of the week, the last time I get to talk to you guys until Monday. Not sure what our guest schedule is looking like for next week, but I'm sure we're going to get some awesome stuff figured out for you guys. Um, first thing, first comment I want to read is actually from yesterday. Uh, Matt Cisneros, it came in after Dre and I had published the podcast, but before this one had come out. So it was just kind of like in that, empty zone went back and checked though matt said the we just wanted to get there they wanted to win the national championship on ou and 04 really sounded like u-dub in 16 exhaled and enjoyed the view a little early so he's referring to matt mcchesney when he was talking about the 2004 season when the buffs were up against the wall really needed to make a run to get to play oklahoma once they got to that game, they said, wow, we did it. That's what we were trying to do, and we did it. And kind of got proud of themselves and got rocked by Oklahoma because Oklahoma wanted to win a national championship. Their mind was in the right place. I think that that's a really good point that Matt made about the 16 season. 
the rise season when the Buffs made it to that Pac-12 championship game against Washington. And Washington just came out ready to to win. And the Buffs did just kind of look like they were happy to, happy to be there. You know, I've, I've talked a lot how I didn't really follow the Buffs up until it was my job to. But I did follow them that season. I think it was after like the fourth or fifth game when they were still undefeated. I, st- I started watching and was really impressed. And that's kind of like the one FBS season that I've ever followed, that I've ever been interested in. And yeah, I mean, I totally agree on with that read that they had accomplished what they had set out to accomplish, which, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to look at that. Like maybe you say, why do you let that happen? You had such a great opportunity. But at the same time, that team did what it wanted to do. They wanted to win the Pac-12 South and they did that and they got there. And it almost felt like, I mean, there were a lot of things that went wrong with Cepho getting hurt and all that. But, you know, they achieved what they wanted to achieve and it was obvious that their mind was in that state. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about actually something that Silverbuff sent me on Twitter, replied to on Twitter. He said, you mentioned that Mel said the line makes this a run-first offense. Based off last year, the backside of this could be the pass protection is still Swiss cheese. Does anything suggest otherwise? And that's actually a really good point. That's something that I hadn't thought of. And when Silverbuff said this, I was like, oh, wow, how did I not think of this? Because it does seem like, looking back, every positive that we have heard about the offensive line has been in reference to run blocking. Now, some of it was like kind of broad, like, oh, their technique seems so much cleaner. And that that could affect the run blocking or the pass blocking. But anytime we've heard anything specific, we've we've never heard somebody say, you know, Steven Montez had all day to get passes off today. What we've heard is there were massive running lanes or that kind of stuff. We haven't heard much about the pass protection. And I, I honestly can't think of a time that we have heard that. So that is a good point. Maybe the pass protection is still a problem just because we haven't heard about it being a positive. Uh, the question was, does anything suggest otherwise? Not with the offensive line, no. But we have heard that these running backs have been spectacular in pass protection. Uh, from the running backs themselves, from the coaching staff, from I think I've talked to some offensive... Yeah, offensive linemen have definitely told me that They've been impressed with the pass blocking from the running backs. And that's important. Uh, talking to Alex Fontenot yesterday, he actually said that that's something he's really been studying. The kind of like the the thought process behind blocking from the running back spot. Because it's an interesting situation where, you know, sometimes I don't know what the buffs do more often, but sometimes the scheme dictates, you know, this is slide protection to the left. Everybody, you know... Everybody in the offensive line is going to get the guy their left, leave the guy on the right end of the line wide open so that the running back can pick him up and the running back knows exactly where he's coming from. Sometimes it's take on the guy right in front of you because, you know, maybe there are five guys rushing. And even in that last sense where you're sliding it, you could have some double teams in there. So even if it's three, you know, four guys rushing, you double two of them, uh or you double one of them, sorry, this math is bad, Uh, you double one of them, leave a free rusher on the end, and have the running back just clean him up. 
there could be five guys rushing. You get those five and then have the running back sit back and watch, wait for somebody to get beat and then pick that guy up or help out with that guy. Or, you know, there's there's so many different options. And it's interesting to hear that Alex Fontenot has really been studying that kind of stuff. He knows that his path to the field is by being a good blocker because all of these guys can run the ball. I just realized we haven't heard any uh, any mention of fumbling troubles, so that's always good news. Running backs, you can trust in pass protection, at least based on what we've been hearing from a wide variety of people, even when they're unprompted. Another note, we mentioned this earlier, but Brady Russell. I think Andre and I may have talked about this a little bit yesterday, but it sounds like he could be filling that LaVisca Chenault role as pass protector where he comes across the formation and hits a guy. So in that same scenario, maybe you leave a guy open to the left, have Brady Russell lined up on the right side of the quarterback, have him cut across with a head of steam, take out that defensive end, that edge rusher. And that's a strength of his. That's something that he does very well and something that he enjoys doing, which most importantly frees up LaVisca Chenault to be running routes down the field, catching passes, doing what he does best. So I think I'm not too worried about the pass protection yet. I mean, I'm not high on it by any means at all. I am high on the run blocking. I'm excited to see that. But there is enough help. I think that this is an offensive coordinator who can scheme help, who can get, you know, whether whether it is uh, Brady Russell and Alex Fontenot, he can get those guys in positions to support this offensive line if they do have troubles in pass protection. You just can't be getting two, three guys getting beat because that's not something you can cover for with, you know, an extra running back or an extra tight end. So that's kind of my read on the pass protection situation right now. Sure, I guess it's a concern. It's not something I expect to be a strength at this point, but you never know, and they do have some help. That's all I have for you guys today. Uh, I'll be back on the show Monday. It'll probably probably be just me on Monday. Not totally sure. Sometimes things change. I'll have all the details for you guys from the scrimmage on Saturday. As always, uh, leave leave your comments in the post for this this uh, podcast on bsendenver.com. Uh, go you know bsendenver.com. Then go to podcast buffs podcast. This show will be called something like, you know, who needs to stand out in the buff second uh, fall scrimmage. Scroll down to the bottom, leave your comment. I'll read it on Monday's pod. And if it's a question, I'll answer it. If it's not a question, whatever. Also, I haven't pushed for this much at all, but I'd really appreciate it if you could give this podcast five stars on iTunes. Gets it into people's feeds more often. When people search Buffs Podcast, it pops up sooner. Uh, just grows our community and ideally gives gives us more money so that we can spend more of that money on better content for you guys so that we can reinvest it. Works out best for all of us the bigger this community grows. And I really do appreciate your support. And I mentioned that earlier, but things are going very well, not just on the Buffs side, but throughout BS on Denver. And that would not be possible without all of you. So Thank you for making this such a great experience so far for me. And 
I will talk to you guys again on Monday. Bye, guys. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Might not swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag.